We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Saturday, May 8th, and we just got word that Notre Dame has picked up a commitment from from Georgia tight end Holden Stace. So what that means, I've been talking about silent commits and all those types of things for a while. What that means basically is there is one fewer silent commit on the board. This is a big commitment from Notre Dame. This has been an expected commitment from Notre Dame, but it doesn't make it any less important. Notre Dame wanted two tight ends in their class. They got two tight ends in their class. So we're going to talk about Holden Stace's commitment. We're going to talk about what it means to the class. We're going to talk about how he fits into the depth chart, why Notre Dame is looking for two tight ends, how the we'll talk a little bit about the, the rocky road that this class has been at tight end. Uh, but it's going to finish off very strong. But as we begin, I, I want to first play uh, Holden's video, his commitment video that he put together, which for me was one of the my my favorite ones I've ever I've ever seen. So let's uh, let's begin the show. We'll kick the show off by showing his commitment video. I thought this was really cool. I thank God for being my guide on this journey. He has set forth for me. It's been one filled with blessings and challenges that have helped me grow along the way. I have learned who I am and what I want for my life. I would like to give thanks to my parents, my siblings, my grandparents, my close friends and family, my teachers, coaches, and trainers. Thank you for developing me into the man I am today. And finally, I want to give thanks to one person in particular. My grandmother, who has inspired me to be the greatest version of myself that I can possibly be. 
She saw something in me when I didn't see it in myself. And for that, I am forever grateful. She is with me every day and everything I do, I do for her. She gives me strength and she is my why. With that being said, my decision is final. My name is Holden Stays, and I'm committed to the University of Notre Dame. Guard. So that was Holden Stace's commitment video. I thought that was really, really good. Very well done. Uh, just, I mean, how do you how do you not get kind of emotional about that? This is this was a big moment for Notre Dame, and you also saw in there you saw Jaden Thomas in that video of Holden Stace. So uh, big, big commitment for for Notre Dame. This is thir- this is commitment number thirteen. This is going to help strengthen Notre Dame's uh, number four ranked class. Holden Stace has seen his recruiting ranking dip a little bit lately, but it's not based on anything he's done. I'm not quite sure why that's the case, but this is a big, big commitment nonetheless. Seventh tight, seventh offensive commit in the class. This is the second tight end commitment in the class. So let's just talk a little bit about kind of how this went down. Obviously, uh, Holden was committed to Penn State for a while. He decommitted from Penn State, and then Notre Dame jumped into the mix with him. Uh, that was around the time that Notre Dame started to turn up the heat on Eli Raritan as well. And uh, and Holden became a, a, an immediate priority for Notre Dame as a Eli Raritan. But uh, Stace was a guy that Notre Dame staff really pushed hard for. And, and honestly, as soon as Notre Dame got in the mix, this was basically what this was ultimately what was going to happen. This is a kid who's a goes to a private school in, in the Atlanta area, very academically oriented young man. Uh, I think the only reason it took as long as it did, I don't think this is this is what we're what I was told is the reason it took as long as it did for him to go public with his silent commitment was he wanted to get on campus. He wanted to check things out. And as someone who had already decommitted once, he absolutely wanted to make sure that this was the place for him and there was going to be no more decommitments. There was going to be, you know, a chance to to get to the campus, meet the campus. And I mean, hopefully he'll be able to get on campus officially this summer and meet the coaches face-to-face and those types of things, which is something all the 2022 kids are dealing with right now. But this is um, th- this is a big commitment for Notre Dame. And, and again, it, it has been sort of in the mix, basically something that was inevitable for quite some time. So this, this, is, this is a big one for Notre Dame. And it's going to, like I said, he's a consensus four-star recruit. So this is going to jump their recruiting rankings a bunch. I think he's better than he's then he's currently ranked. ESPN ranks him as the number 268 player in the country. A consensus four-star. Nobody else has him in their top 250 or top 300, but this is a kid that, to me, that right now is a top 200 player, even though he's a bit raw, and we'll get into that. But he's got outstanding top 50, top 100 upside. There's no doubt about it. This is a kid that had – I'm just going to read you some of the offers that he had. He had offers from Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, Texas, USC, Florida State, Oregon, Penn State, Auburn, Michigan, Tennessee, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Nebraska, South Carolina, and the list goes on and on and on. So this was a big pickup for Notre Dame. So let's talk a little bit about what this means for the Notre Dame class. Obviously, it means they're now done at tight end. They uh, the, the the sort of the rocky road that was tight end resulted in them getting two kids that were not the first player that committed. Technically, Notre Dame has had three commitments to tight end in this class uh, when you consider they had Jack Nickel in the class. I believe that they took Jack Nickel too early. I thought that Notre Dame rushed that decision and 
fortunately for all sides involved, that situation has been rectified. Jack has plenty of time to go find a school. And Notre Dame got two tight ends that they want. Jack could have been a part of this class. They would have taken three tight ends in this class. But uh, the writing was on the wall for, for Jack that he was going to be the third of those three tight ends. And so that's why he decided to decommit. And, and he's going to go somewhere else where he's going to be hopefully the number one tight end and, and, uh, and have a chance to be very successful there. But Notre Dame got the two guys that they wanted. It's not a for me, it's not a great tight end class in regards to those highly ranked, you know, Michael Mayer type of players. But what I like about these two kids that Notre Dame has and now Holden Stace is in the class with Eli Raritan is these are two very high ceiling players. And we'll dive into the overall depth chart here in a second. But that's really what you want. You don't necessarily need tight ends that can come in and play day one. You don't need another Michael Mayer type. Obviously, if you can get another Michael Mayer, you take it. But it's not ne- it's not a necessity. Because you're going to have Michael Mayer for these these kids' freshman year, Michael Mayer will be a junior. Odds are George Takis is going to be gone, and you'll have Kane Barong, and you'll have Mitchell Evans, and you'll have potent, you know Kevin Bauman. So I think the numbers are going to be good that freshman year, but then a year later, you're you're going to now have Michael Mayer's likely going to be gone. I, I don't I don't think barring injury, there's any scenario in which Michael Mayer is going to be a four year player at Notre Dame. I think this is a situation. Um, that you look at their depth chart and say, these are two guys that are good enough to push the guys ahead of them. And when you recruit tight end as well as Notre Dame recruits tight end, and you've got players like Kevin Bauman and Kane Barong, if you're going to bring in new tight ends in a two tight end class, you better bring in guys with really high ceilings. And I think both of these young men have very, very high ceilings. So you look at the situation, two was Notre Dame's target, but for me, it needed to be the right two. And it, like I said, needed to be high upside players. And I think they did that. I think they accomplished that goal. I think they got two players that have talent, two players that have very high ceilings. But here's the other important part, and this is this is why this matters. They have two players that are very complementary to each other and also complementary to the players in front of them. And that's very important. You can have success, and we've talked about this recently, you can certainly have success with two identical tight ends. You can just be more of a traditional offense. I think, however, that it limits you a little bit in the in the manner in which you can attack opponents. If you have two guys that are just attached tight ends uh, or traditional tight ends, so to speak, or if you have two guys that are sort of the hybrid fullback type tight ends, I think it can limit you a little bit. I prefer that you have complementary skill sets, but at the same time, you also want to make sure that they're not so different from each other that it's easier to game plan when one is on the field and not the other. And that's why I think this duo is really, really good. Because they can both play attached. They can both play in a wing, although Stace is better in that situation than Raritan. They can both play in the slot, although I think that Stace is a little better than Raritan. They can both play outside, although I think Raritan's better than Stace in that regards. They have very, very complementary skill sets. And, you know, Holden Stace is a, is thicker. He's a little shorter, but he's he's got a lot more pop and size, and, and especially in the lower body. He works the middle of the field a lot more. Raritan is taller, longer, a little skinnier. He can line up outside. He's more of a vertical type of guy. So very, very intriguing skill sets. But there's not one thing that either one of them can do that the other one can't. It's just that one has a strength a little bit more here. Another one has a strength there. So I really, really like how this duo fits together. And now it allows Notre Dame to start focusing on 2023 tight ends. They've got three offers out already, Jackson Howard, and you've got Mac Markway, and you've got Deuce Robinson. So you've got three really talented tight ends. And now 
you know, all, all John McNulty has to do now is focus on, on that. I mean, that's his only goal. You're only going to bring one tight end next year. So you need to make sure that you focus on the best of the best in the 2023 class. And if the guy's not better or have a chance to be better than the guys you just signed, then he's not someone that you should waste your time on. And I think that's what we're going to see Notre Dame do. So I want to dive a, a little bit into what I like about Holden Stace. So we're going to we're going to go over some film of him. We've done this on the show before, but we're going to do it again today. We're going to talk about just kind of go over what makes him an intriguing player. And I think the first thing that you're going to see when you watch this video is, is you're going to see a player that has very, very. So this is a guy that you're going to see 6'4", 230 and very physical size, but still growing into that body. You saw it on the video as well. You see a guy that's really got like just broad shoulders, you know, thick chest, thicker arms. And as he continues to fill out his frame, he's going to be very, very impressive. And you can see a guy that's a good athlete. He's got to improve his, his stance and start, which I think will help him get better starts. But you can see that long speed right there. And one thing you're going to notice about Holden Stace, and this is a really nice catch over the middle in traffic. One thing you're going to notice about him, look at that body control, really smooth body control. A 230-pound guy that can just flip his hips like this and catch a back shoulder throw. It is really impressive. But what you're also going to see on this clip is one of the reasons I say he's so he, – to me he's so raw is you just kind of look. He's kind of feeling his way as a route runner. He's not really taking off and getting into that zone. This is not about a lack of speed. This is about a lack of a lack of get off. If you watch this play over here, this uh, this deep ball right here, you're going to see this, this second gear that he has. So this is him in the slot. Watch him take off. You see that was a better get off because he had a feeling he was going to be the, 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 the primary wideout. This time he doesn't do that, but I love the body control. But one of the things that you're going to see is watching film of him, and there was a, I was able to come get a hold of a game film of his, and the thing that you'll see is he rarely, rarely lets the ball get into his chest. I mean, this is a kid that catches the ball, snatches the ball away from him. Look how fast his hands are as he, as he attacks this end cut. Does a nice job of working over the zone. Doesn't, doesn't go too fast. He can't accelerate out of his break on this one because if he does, he's going to get to that backside linebacker. He's kind of got a throttle. Quarterback gets him the ball, puts his shoulder down, runs that guy over. So the, really, really like his ball skills. Really like how he attacks the football. Again, really good hands, big hands too. I mean, you you can just see it when he's you know in pictures. You can see it when he snatches the ball. This is a very, very confident pass catcher that's only going to get better and better and better. And, and the thing about him too is he's still got he's got a big body but it's not necessarily a really defined body. And so I think he's a young man too that's going to put on 15, 20 pounds and be a really big tight end uh, that's going to get even, in my opinion, even more explosive. But again, as you watch him, he's not like a burner. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and you know, and stretch the field like Tyler Reifert. That's not his game. That's more Eli Raritan's game. Holden is a guy that is going to be a nightmare over the middle, a nightmare in isolations against linebackers, a nightmare against safeties. Uh, and a guy that just really catches the ball effectively. And, and we'll get into some of his – I'll, I'll kind of talk through this, but you'll see some of his – love how he catches that off his shoelaces. But you're going to see some of his blocking. You know, again, technique needs work, but this is a kid that really has a lot of a lot of pop. This is a young man that has is more than willing to get after. Look at that. This is what I talk about tracking the deep ball. This is an example of what I'm talking about. So as he looks back – now there's there's something that I caught taught as a as a receivers coach that that a lot of players don't do, and it was my coaching point was accelerate through the look back because what a lot of players have a tendency to do is when they look back for the ball, they stop they slow down, and and uh, 
that allows you, you maybe you don't the quarterback's thinking you're going one speed you throw it and you slow down and then it also allows defenders to kind of catch up to you what i like about holden is he doesn't he doesn't do that he accelerates through the look back he tracks his deep ball well keeps a good path and it just drops right over him with two guys draped on him that is excellent excellent focus concentration of ball skills there really like that part about him Watch this. This is a really good – this shows me this is a young man that, that's smart. So he's coming across on a drag route. He gets his eyes open, and you can see the corner in front of him. So he could keep going on that path, but because the corner's squatting, he climbs. That's what you teach a young kid to do. This is a junior that doesn't catch a lot of balls as a sophomore. You watch him climb over top. You, quarterback gets the ball to him. That tells me this is a young man that knows how to get open. He knows how to play the game of football. He also has a high football IQ on top of having athletic talent. Now, this is a better get-off. See this right here, right here? This is more of what I want to see when it, when you talk about his, his release off the line. Watch the speed in which he gets off the line and eats up this defender compared to the last one. Gets on, steps on his toes real quickly, eats up that cushion, and just accelerates out of his break and just smokes that guy. Now, that's again, that's not a guy that's going to be playing for George or anything like that, but you can still see the skill set, catches the ball clean, really, really like this kid. He's got to work on, in my opinion, uh, because he's a bigger kid, he's got to understand people are going to be going for your ankles and your legs a lot. He's going to have to learn to kind of really drive his legs through contact, work on when he's got guys chasing to kind of get a little bit of a high knee situation going. Those are some things he can learn and things that you teach that's part of what coaches do but you're going to see him here in the run game really thriving really like what he does this is like i said this is a talented player and if you remember from when we when we did eli raritan's film a couple weeks ago uh, you know he is more of a guy that lined up outside he's a guy that blocked in the wing and the slots and uh, whereas right now with what you're seeing from holding stace is this is a kid that's lining up as a traditional tight end and he's getting after it on the edge you know now again that's a this is one of the things to say where, where young kids think something's a highlight, but it's not really a highlight. So this is something you actually see that Holden has to learn. He has to understand he's got to get out into this guy a little bit more aggressively and either reach him or push him out faster. He's kind of, kind of not sure what he wants to do, not sure the angle, but he's so physical that he ends up driving the guy way outside anyway. And that's something I really like. You can teach that kind of stuff. Um, again, this is a, uh, I, I really like what I see from Holden Stace. There's a lot of technical work need to be done, but look at that finish. Look what he does with this defensive end. That's a big kid. I'm going to try to find out who that is. That's that's a big kid. That looks like that kid's every bit as good as he is, and he just takes him, drives him, gets caught in the trash, and just puts the guy on the ground. So really, really like his film, uh, like his attitude. I like the maturity that he showed throughout this recruiting process, a guy that didn't want to – make a rushed commitment, even though he's known for a while that Notre Dame was the place for him. Uh, he is not someone that wanted to say, hey, let me just hustle up and get this over with and then not do his due diligence. You know, took a self-guided tour to Notre Dame. Um, guy that uh, that uh, really went through the process, asked the right questions, got to know the other Notre Dame commits. And when he made his decision, he knew that it was going to be final. But, but basically from the moment Notre Dame got involved in this one, it was it was going to be Notre Dame. So big, big pickup for Notre Dame and uh, really, really good day. Notre Dame is now at seven commits, as we saw someone say here a little bit ago. Uh, this is a situation now that allows the focus to uh, for the staff. It's one less top player that you have to now focus on convincing to come. Now, there's a lot of maintenance that has to go into recruiting but uh, when you have guys committed, but it's a lot easier to maintain than it is to, to land him. 
what I what this allows them to do is to now Tommy Reese doesn't have to focus on selling this one or finishing this one. Brian Kelly doesn't necessarily have to worry about. Now their focus can be on, okay, let's go get some receivers. Let's go get another running back. Let's finish off this offensive. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed line class and and you've now got another highly regarded kid from atlanta third tight end that notre dame has landed in the last what five years started with tommy tremble in 2018 they got Kane barong last year and now uh, holding stace and in the the georgia area just continues to be money for notre dame they're doing a great job of getting into that area and uh it, it just is just another another um just a feather in their cap to allow them to continue recruiting. And there were some people that asked me, you know, Hey, is, is, is what they did with Jack Nickel uh, going to hurt them in recruiting Georgia? And I'm well, not if they replace him with another Georgia kid. So I don't, I don't think it's going to hurt him at all. So the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk. Uh, let's go through here. We've got some questions. Let's get to some questions, and we'll we'll wrap up there. If you we'll, we'll talk, we'll focus mainly on Holden Stace, and then we'll talk a little bit about sort of what's next in the 2022 class. I again, there's there's a couple more kids that are committed. There's one for sure that I feel very good about. There's a couple others that I, I believe there's just some extenuating circumstances that we'll dive into once those kids go public or if those kids go public, but. This is one of two commit silent commitments that I feel really, really strong about for Notre Dame. Uh, and if you didn't check it out at irishbreakdown.com today, we had our hot board up at irishbreakdown.com. You can see that down there. Uh, I go through all the offensive recruits, where things stand, what's the latest with each of those offensive recruits. So you can check that out as well. So let's go through. Obviously, Tracy Tipton is fired up. Uh, awesome get. Love both of the tight ends that we got. Agree. Uh, Michael says, uh, if you are a top Trosets. I think I got that right this time, Michael. If you are a top-rated tight end, you must look at Notre Dame hard. This program puts tight ends in the NFL. Absolutely. I mean, it, th that. but that's, again, people ask, why don't they get more guys at this position or that position? This is the reason why. I mean, if you can't recruit tight ends in Notre Dame, you don't deserve to be coaching college football. 
I mean, it's it's that simple. You you, it, I mean, it sells itself in a lot of ways. And John McNulty's taken advantage of that, and he got off to a bit of a rough start, but he's certainly recovered well. And now Notre Dame has two really really good players. Brad S. This is the comment I was referring to earlier. Now let's get some top notch receivers. That's the key. Now absolutely. Jordan Schreiber is fired up about this commitment. Jonathan is fired up about this commitment. Uh, Michael says uh, Notre Dame has been tight end you since the likes of Dave Casper. A little bit before my time, but yes, it has been that way for quite some time. Okay. Okay, so Dylan Riggins asks, where do you think his fit is, specifically on the new aspects of Reese's offense? Will it complement him in the system? So we we dove into a little bit about how him and Eli Raritan fit, but let's talk specifically about, about Holden Stakes. So when I look at Holden Stakes and how he fits the offense, to me, he is more in the the Michael Mayer, he is more in the Brock Wright, uh, Cole Komet type of game in that he's going to do a lot of attached tight end stuff. You saw it in the film. He's a guy that can line up. Attached means he's basically in a, in a three-point stance with the tackle inside. So like a traditional tight end alignment is, is what attached me. He's attached to the line of scrimmage is what that means. He can flex out. He can play in the slot. I think there are some scenarios in which you could put him backside. I don't, I don't know if right now he's going to need a lot of work from a route running standpoint, so that's not really part of his game right this second. But I think it can be. I think it can be a part of his game. So I, I think right now he fits sort of that traditional tight end role. We saw as far as how it fits into the offense. We saw how it was used with Michael Mayer last year. And I think that Michael Mayer needs to have his role expanded this year, more verticals, more deep routes, things like that. But a lot of the things that we saw Michael Mayer do this year are things that fit Holden Stace's game really well. Crossing routes, option routes, work in the middle of the field, outcuts, crossers, drags, things along those lines where you're using your size and your ball skills and you're giving that quarterback a really big target. A really good chain mover, you know, guy that you're going to love on third down, a guy that you can use in the end zone in a lot of those, you know, traditional tight end roles. And then, of course, you have guys like Kane Barong and you have guys like Eli Raritan who fit more of that you know, that hybrid role where, yes, they can line up attached, but they can do a lot of damage off the line of scrimmage and lined up outside. And then, of course, when you saw in the game on Saturday, we saw uh, Mitchell Evans catch a couple balls. Uh, we saw Mitchell Evans catch a really cro- a crossing route on fourth and two. We saw him catch a drag route for a big gain. We saw George Takis get up the seams for a big gain. I think that's another player that sort of fits what Holden Stace can do. Um, and then we saw Mitchell Evans bang a, a corner route. Those are things that you're going to see Holden Stace really fit in well to. And I think that's where his fit is. And, I, and again, you know, Dylan, we're talking about a kid that right now is 230 pounds. But as you can see from that video, he's a. it wouldn't surprise me he's a little bit more than that. He's a thick kid. I, I'll i be surprised if he's not 250 plus very early in his career. And that's only going to lead to him being a you know, just a really effective attached tight end. And of course, I think blocking in the run game is going to be part of it. And I'll say this, I don't I don't necessarily look at him as a guy that's going to be doing the things that Tommy Trumbull did. Some people brought up uh, Tommy Trumbull. I think Tommy Trumbull, he reminds me of from a, a maybe from a, a, a height standpoint, but he's a much thicker kid than Tommy was at the same age. He's not as explosive as Tommy was, but I also think he's someone that that I do think he's short enough to where you can line them up, can line them up and have him be a fullback. But I don't know if I would want him necessarily being too tight to the running backs because he's not quite that explosive 
downhill athlete that that uh, Tommy Trumbull was, and and that's kind of what you want is that lead ISO blocker type of guy. But there are some situations and some some concepts where I would be comfortable putting him in a wing, sort of in an offset formation, maybe having him ISO inside or maybe doing a trap block backside if Notre Dame were to implement some of those types of schemes that, that you see teams like Oklahoma do. So I, I do think there's some things you can do with him. But as I said, the things that maybe he's not great at are things that I think Eli Raritan's really good at. And that's, again, why I think they're such a great compliment. This is a good question from S. Uh, Coach, uh, was his decommitment from Penn State similar to Nickel from Notre Dame, or did they badly want him to stay? Penn State wanted him in the class. Th- there's no doubt. This was not a... This was not a nickel situation. They, they want him in the class. Now, they also knew kind of early on that he wasn't going to stay in the class, but that it was a different situation. It was a good question. It was a good question, but no, that was a, tr- a, a true decommitment. Michael, I agree with you. Tight end room is loaded with talent. Uh, Brad says, I see from some film he lines up outside some. Wonder if he has enough speed to play like a receiver if we needed him to. I don't see that from him. I, I think there are, some, there are some things you can do with him in a flex position. A flex position is essentially you take a traditional alignment, you stand him up, and you move him out four or five yards. And and he, so he's still kind of tight. You're still ISOing him on a linebacker. You can still do things where you can insert him into the box on the second level as or, or maybe even crack with him uh, on, on a defensive end or a linebacker. But it's more of an inside type of situation where you're just getting a little bit more spacing. I think he can do some things in the slot, but he's not someone that I would I would say you're going to see a lot of putting him backside and letting him go one-on-one, how he is now. Now, of course, Brad, he could get to Notre Dame and, and get in the Matt Bayless weight room and drop you know a, a tenth or two off of his 40 time, get a little bit more explosive, and then develop into that kind of player. I think he has the ball skills to do that. I don't think he has the 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 speed to, to vertically do that. Now, there could be some situations where in the red zone you could see that. And, and the reason I say that is I would be interested to see if I had him in the game and we were in a three tight end set as an offensive coordinator and say, hey, I'm going to put my my three skill guys to the field and see what they're going to do with me into the boundary. If they're going to put a corner into the boundary in the red zone against Holden Stace, and I'm going to I'm gonna throw fades and back shoulders and things like that to him. But that's more against a condensed field where you can use his size better to your advantage as opposed to you know a midfield where you're trying to run a post route or a goal route or something like that. So – there are some things he can do, but but I don't see that part of his game projecting as well to college based on what we see from him now. Now, that could change. He could get more explosive and gain some speed. But right now, I think that's where he is. Okay, let's see here. James Kearney says, why do we get our pick at tight end? Because Notre Dame uses tight end. Well, why don't we get our pick at wide receiver? Kind of explains itself. I think we get top-tier receiver till we show usage and development. I mean, Notre Dame's got their fair share of top receivers. I mean, Lorenzo Styles is a top 100 guy. Deion Colsey was a border t- borderline top 100 guy. I mean, both of those guys ranked higher than what Holden Stace ranks right now, or Eli Raritan. Jordan Johnson was a highly ranked guy. And Kevin Austin was a top 100 guy. Brayden Lindsey was a four-star recruit. ESPN had Lawrence Keyes ranked as the number 150 player in the country. They were all four-star players. Chase Claypool was a borderline top 100 recruit. So, I mean, Javon McKinley was a top 100 recruit. So, I think Notre Dame has, has recruited receiver a lot better than people think. The problem is, to your point, they haven't used it as well. But the other part of it is, is they haven't produced NFL talent to the to the degree that the tight end position has. And we saw a stretch, Golden Tate, Michael Floyd, um, Will Fuller, where Notre Dame had that success. And then recently, Cole Komet and Miles Boykin. 
So I, I don't think the receiver recruiting is as bad as, as people make it out to be. I think it's actually been, been pretty good, which is why I've, I've argued with people that say we don't have talent at receiver at Notre Dame. Well, I think Notre Dame does have talent at receiver. And I think we're going to see that this year. I'm excited about what we're going to see from the tight receiver position this year. I wrote an article today at irishbreakdown.com. I'd encourage you all to, to check out. And I talk about things we learned from the offense this spring. And one of them is, is that they're, they got a lot of good receivers, a lot of talented receivers. So I push back a little bit on that. I understand the frustration, but I'd push back a little bit on that. Uh, John A1 asks, how many, I'm going to assume you meant silent commits. Does Notre Dame have right now? Maybe you were thinking somebody should do a super chat, but you meant uh, silent commit. I, I think that right now uh, I'm comfortable saying that there's definitely one silent commit that I feel is going to happen. There's a couple others that there's some stuff that has to get worked out and figured out, and that's why I don't get want to get too much into that. But I definitely believe there's for sure one, and there's a couple others that 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 I feel I feel are right there as well. S says, do you see the Hunter Long comp with Stace? I think from a body type standpoint and a ball skill standpoint, absolutely. I think that neither athletically there are some similarities. I think that Stace is a guy that's a little thicker than Holt, than Hunter Long was coming out of high school. The other thing, too, is I think Holden Stace projects to be a lot better blocker than Hunter Long. I didn't think Hunter Long was a great blocker as an attached player. I thought he did a good job in space and on the second level. But I didn't think he was a, a great, great blocker at the line of scrimmage. I think Holden Stace is going to be a lot better blocker. But to your point, S, I do think from a pass game standpoint, a lot of the things that we saw Hunter Long do, we could see Holden Stace do, which is work in the middle of the field, making tough catches in traffic, you know, getting on a corner route if he's isolated on a safety and making some plays downfield. So I, I definitely think that there are some similarities there. And, and you know, if you were to say, hey, what are some comps? I mean, in this uh, this previous draft that you'd say fit a, a, a comparison to him, I, I'd say Hunter Long would be be one of the top ones that I would look at. Martin Phillips asks, do you see both Stace and Raritan redshirting? Whew. Oh, yeah, it's really hard to say because I don't know what the depth chart's going to look like. I think that both will get their shots to play right now. I also think it's it's a little early for me to say that because they're both still juniors. They could both go out and make big jumps their senior years. If Holden State goes out, hey, Stace goes out there and, and improves his technique and, and gets a little bit stronger and, and maybe gets a little bit more of a burst, do I think in a year and a half, you know – because if you think about what well, it's going to be about a year, right? A year and a year from now, he'll be he'll be finishing up spring ball, right? His, if he's an early enrollee, I'm not sure if he is or isn't. And it's still over a year before he enrolls in Notre Dame. There's a lot of development he develop development time for him, and because he is a bigger bodied kid, I think that a good jump as a senior could maybe be more impactful for him playing as a freshman than you might see from. Eli Raritan. I think Eli Raritan needs a lot more time physically to develop. But again, if he may stop playing basketball next year and put on 20 pounds like that, and, and all of a sudden he's ready to play. So I, I I wouldn't necessarily lock him in. I think they're talented enough players that they can push people. I think the only reason that you would redshirt them would most likely be because there's just the guys, Kevin Bauman's really playing well. And, you know, you're going to have Michael Mayer there and Kane Barong is still around making plays. You got Mitchell Evans around still making plays. And then you say, hey, look, these guys are going to get a red shirt because tight end is a position I'm more comfortable red shirting a kid, kids like these than I would be at wide receiver. OK, let's see here. <laughs> I, I knew what you meant, John. I'm just messing with you. All right. 
Searcher Green says, hopefully Yak gets better. Seems to always be falling after he catches. I don't think he's always falling after he catches. I think he's, number one, making a lot of contested catches. And number two, as I said during the breakdown, when you're that big, people are going to be going for your ankles and legs, and there are certain things he's going to have to improve upon. Uh, but there were several catches there where he caught the ball and outran people into the end zone. So clearly clearly didn't, didn't fall down. B. Straw says, would like to see him keep number 44 at Notre Dame. I think it's a good tight end number. Yeah, I don't know what it is about 44 as a tight end, but I, I – I, I like it as well. I, I think that's a really good number. I, for, I, okay, so with all due respect to Kyle Rudolph, because he he rocked the nine up really well, I, I don't like single digits for tight ends. I like either 80, either 80, 88, 87, like one of those bigger tight end type of numbers, or I like something in the 40s. I don't know what it is, but uh, I, I really like that. That's why, like Tommy Trumbull, halftime I didn't even think looked like a tight end because he had number 24. That's like a receiver number to me. Okay. Here we go. All right. Okay. S. Uh, another question from S. He says, um, "Coach D. Uh, coach N. D. is known as tight end. You. Do you think McNulty, as a position coach and recruiter, is someone who can maintain that?" Uh, he. He. At first, I was a little. I was concerned about John McNulty's recruiting. To be completely honest with you, I, I thought he made you know went after Mitchell Evans, which you know could end up looking great, but I, it was one that I questioned. And then his decision to take Jack Nickel as early as they did was also a head scratcher. And not that Jack's not a good player, but I even said at the time, I just don't know if he's the kind of kid you take that early when you're a place like Notre Dame. I think when you talk about a guy that's come from Rutgers, a guy like Jack Nickel is going to look like a world beater. I think as he's now been at Notre Dame for a year, he he's catching up to, oh, yeah, we can recruit those kind of guys. I can go get anybody I want. Okay, cool. Let's do that. That wasn't the case when he was at Rutgers. So I think he's improved, and look, he played a role in getting Eli Raritan and Holden stay. So he's bounced back and and fin- recovered very well. It's kind of like last year with with Lance Taylor. I mean, Lance Taylor got off to a real rocky start at running back recruiting when it went in that class when he missed on Will Shipley, and they kind of put all their eggs in the Will Shipley basket, got beat, but they recovered well with some help from other coaches, and you end up with a really good class. I, I think a similar situation here in that you you started off rocky for the different reason. But you finished off strong. I mean, I, I couldn't think of a much better tight end situation than, than these two. And I, I've watched a lot of tight ends. I don't know if there's two that I like better right now. There's some good tight ends in this class. It's not a great tight end class. But Notre Dame got two of the guys with the higher ceilings in the class. Now, as a position coach, I have no no doubt about John McNulty's ability as a position coach. I, I think that is one area where, look, Michael Mayer is a great player. And, and he showed up at Notre Dame ready to play in a lot of ways. But I do think having a guy like John McNulty who can just focus on the tight ends. And I thought Chip Long did a really good job as a tight ends coach too. But, you know, when you're the offensive coordinator, it can take you away from some of your position coach responsibilities. I thought that he did a very good job getting Michael Mayer ready to play as a freshman. And to get Michael to continue to grow and develop as a freshman, I thought he got Tommy Tremble to play as consistent as, as, as possible in the run game. There are some things that that guys are going to have to learn as route runners. But again, that was hindered by the fact that John McNulty didn't get those guys for the spring. And, and I would have liked to seen, you know, maybe where Tommy Trimble was after 15 practices of being able to work with John McNulty as a pass catcher. So I, I great deal of confidence in John McNulty as a position coach. And he has rallied a little bit. And then you look at what they're doing in 2023. That's going to really tell us the tale, S, but off to a good start now. Rocky start, but he's he's really rolling along now as a recruiter, but no doubt about it as a tight end coach. I, I think the tight end position is going to be excellent this year. And just go look at the blue-gold game. He's had Mitchell Evans and Kane Baronk for 14 practices plus the spring game, and I thought they looked they looked confident in what they were doing. 
Now, they weren't always doing the right thing. They didn't win every rep, but they looked confident. They looked well-coached. They looked well-schooled. And I think Coach deserves a lot of credit for that. Okay. Uh, Christopher Sally, I don't know if – I don't. I'm not sure at this point in time if either of them are going to roll early. Raritan, I'd be a little bit – if I had to bet, I'd be less willing to bet on him simply because of the fact that he's a basketball player. He may be like Jerkovic and want to go finish his career. He's like a 17-point-per-game score in basketball. He may want to do that. And honestly, I would encourage him to do that because the odds of him playing as a freshman in any significant role are not great just because of how loaded they are. So enjoy your senior year, play basketball, try to help your team win a championship and, and then come in the fall. And then you've still got plenty of time to play. Okay. Uh, S also asked, coach of today's game, what type of tight end would you prefer, a, a traditional Mayer-esque or the new wave Kyle Pitts, Eric Gilbert? Uh, one being more balanced with blocking versus explosive pass catcher. Now, number one, I'm not as high on Eric Gilbert as a lot of other people are. I don't think I don't think he is. I don't think he's as the athlete that the, the the tight end athlete that a lot of people think he is. I still think he should play defensive end. But honestly, I don't care. Look, I I think you can build around either one of those guys. And I think if I had to pick for me in my offense, like the offense that I would want to run. I would go with a Michael Mayer type. I think that if you look at the way that Notre Dame runs to, wants to run their offense, I think they need a Michael Mayer type. And the reason I say that is Kyle Pitts is an elite pass catcher. I mean, he's basically a wide receiver. He's a big wide receiver. He's more Devin Funches than he is Michael Mayer. He's way better than Devin Funches. You get the point. But I think the way that Notre Dame runs their offense, that works for Florida. Florida's a team that is a gimmicky run team. I think for Notre Dame, they need a tight end that can block, a guy that can do everything, a guy that can use his size and all those type of things. That's what I would prefer. However, would I, if a Kyle Pitts type of player wanted to come to Notre Dame, would I say no? No, I, I would definitely not say no. I would take him in a heartbeat. Because the great thing about it is when you look at the way teams play now is you can use you can use multiple tight ends. And the great thing about having a guy like Kyle Pitts, and I felt this is why they should have used Tommy Trumbull more, but if you look at some of the, the more athletic, the hybrid types, you know, you think of Evan Evan Ingram, uh, those type of players. The thing I, I, I like about those guys, S, is that you can now utilize them in the pass game along with a Michael Mayer. And, and to me, that's the ideal combination. So if I was going to cheat, I'd say both. But if I could only have one type, I'd rather have the more traditional type. That that's for me. And I think that that's also what better fits what Notre Dame does. Okay. Old Grim, I agree with this. If, if uh, Reese opens up the offense this year, it will show the talent they have. I, I agree with you. Let me see here. John A1 says quarterback development in Notre Dame affects the wide receiver product productivity more than tight end because the tight end is almost, uh, is almost every offense that, that utilizes a position to safeguard. And if Notre Dame gets better QB play, the wide receivers will shine. I, I agree with that. I agree with that a lot, John. I think that's a very good point. And I think Tommy Trumbull is a perfect example of Tommy Trumbull is a third round tight end. He caught, he has never caught over 20 passes in a season. Why? Because being a tight end allowed him to do and show some things that, that, you know, you're not going to, if, if, if you drafted a receiver, cause he was a great blocker, Javon McKinley would have gone in the third round. You're, you're drafting a wide receiver to catch the football. You'll draft a tight end who can just block. And then maybe he kind of gets the NFL and, and this game takes another step because he plays with a better quarterback. Okay, Preston, did you get my answer from earlier? I confident in one. There's two others, potentially three others, but there's just some, some there's just some situations and circumstances. I can't say too much because then it's going to give it away what I was what I'm going to say. But 
we'll see. I think there's going to be some movement here over the next couple, the next month or so. I think we're going to see some some more guys jump in the class. We could see it sooner rather than later. We'll have to see. Kevin uh, Gobalt. Hopefully I'm saying that right, Kevin. I apologize if I got it wrong. I remember Derek Brown and Irv Smith together always had great tight end depth. If you remember, there was one point in time at Notre Dame where you had Derek Brown, Irv Smith, and Oscar McBride all on the same tight end depth chart. And they all three played in the NFL. So, yes, Notre Dame has been doing for as long as I can remember. And, again, I really became a Notre Dame fan in like that 87, 88 time. But Notre Dame's always had good times. Even even the years they didn't have great tight ends, they still had pros. They Pete Kriplevitz, remember him? Uh, they they still had guys that were NFL players. And, and to back that up, since 2003, every starting day one starter at tight end for Notre Dame has gone on to get drafted at, at some point in time in his career. The closest they've come, they've had a couple seventh rounders recently. Ben Koyak went in the seventh round in 2015, and then Alizé Mack went in the in the seventh round of the 2019 draft. But they have been able to keep uh, to keep that going. Dylan Riggins, thank you for the super chat, Dylan. Appreciate it very, very much. Are there any examples of the recent uh, re- recruiting push have tangible results on 22 and 23 recruits? Example recruits talking higher about Notre Dame. Yes, Dylan. So it began with the pot of gold that Notre Dame did back in St. Patrick's Day. That is something that 2023 recruits were buzzing about. And it's something that really put Notre Dame in a light where they were already getting love from 23 kids because of the success they've had on the field. But now that Notre Dame is doing these, these, uh, you know, kind of ahead of the game, like outside the box, doing things that other people aren't doing, it's really getting them noticed. And it's things that Notre Dame's always should have done. And I, and I love the fact that, that Mike Elson and that crew are, are working hard. It's, and it's not just Mike Elson. It's, there's people that aren't football coaches behind the scenes that are doing a lot of the legwork for this. It's his vision, and they're carrying it out, and it's been impressive. But to your to your question, Dylan, I don't know about 22 because those kids are kind of already established that where Notre Dame is. But with the 23 kids, it's definitely having an impact. They're noticing it, and then they're gonna they're seeing the billboard, they're seeing what Notre Dame's doing, and they're saying, okay, Notre Dame is Notre Dame is serious. Notre Dame's trying to get that next level, and I think. That to me, Dylan, is the biggest takeaway from all this. It's my big concern with with I just got a note real quick from a, a friend of mine, and he said that uh, Westminster doesn't allow players to graduate early and go to college early. So if he stays at Westminster, uh, thanks for the heads up on that, my man. Uh, if he stays at Westminster, then he he probably won't early enroll. Lee. But honestly, I'm okay with that because I I think Notre Dame's going to be good at tight end in 2022. Uh, so, so we'll kind of see how that goes. But back to the, the the thing I was saying, Dylan, is my cons- one of the complaints that I've had with Coach Kelly in recent seasons was I felt like he was a little complacent. Like they were comfortable ten and two in the twelve and ones and what they're having the postseason, and and that concerned me. And I've I've vocal I've been vocal with that criticism in the past. What we have seen from Brian Kelly since January is a completely different mentality. And it started with Marcus Freeman. I think we should all be able to agree. If you if you're being honest and objective, prior to what happened, with Marcus Freeman, that didn't happen. To Notre Dame, Notre Dame didn't win those spending battles. They didn't have that aggressiveness to say, "Okay, you didn't take our number one counter offer, then then we're just going to go hire so and so. We're going to promote so and so." No, he said, "We're going to go back. We're going to up the offer. We're going to do this. We're going to make this promise. We're going to get. We're going to make sure that we get Marcus Freeman as our defensive coordinator." 
That was step one. That was the that's what a coach does who says, I'm sick of being 10 and 2. I'm sick of getting my butt kicked by Alabama. I'm sick of losing to Clemson. We're going to change this. We've seen Brian Kelly in recent months be more active on the recruiting trail than I have seen him throughout his entire career at Notre Dame. I'm being I'm not being hyperbolic at all. I have heard from so many 22 and 23 kids that that uh, you know I talked to Coach Kelly. I've had multiple Zoom calls with Coach Kelly. You know he was criticized for not having been on a Zoom call at Tyson Ford when Tyson Ford committed. It was just an example, and I hammered him for it. It's an example of this, Notre Dame's always going to get these kids. Imagine what they would do if they had a head coach that recruited. Well. That's not an issue anymore. Coach Kelly's putting in the work. When the head coach starts putting in more work on the recruiting trail, try being a position coach who's not who's not making the calls that you need to make when the head coach is doing it. And that's so great. And then you've seen he's given Tommy Reese more freedom on offense. You're seeing these recruiting pushes. Hey, let me explain something to you. This stuff isn't free. Those billboards aren't free. They're not just a, hey, man, here's 20 bucks. Put a billboard up for us. These things cost a lot of money. And to put them up all over the country – and to do it as strategically from a timing standpoint as they did, that costs some money. Well, that means that Brian Kelly's willing to spend some money. And it means he is telling his coaches, hey, we're not, I'm not, I'm tired of just being here. We need to get to the next level. And, and, and that to me is what's exciting. And that goes back to Dylan's question of are these things impacting them? The, the, the to wrap it all up, Dylan, the point is this is the action, the, the most recent months are actions of a staff who is making it very obvious that we're not comf- we're not happy just getting to the show. We're not happy with that anymore. It's time to take the, to the next level, and you're going to be the guy that's going to help us to get there. And they weren't showing that for a long time. They are now, and that's a big reason why I'm, I'm as excited. And I think, I think some of you that have known me for a long time are starting to see I'm starting a little bit more fired up, a little less critical, because they're doing the things that I've been wanting to do, and I love it, and it's exciting, and I think it is going to pay off. Uh, when when we get to as long as they can continue playing the way you know c- winning on the field on Saturdays, I think this stuff is going to play off and pay off in a big big way. Okay, here we go. John A one. So right now the post mayor era looks like Barong, Evans, Bauman, Raritan, and Stace. How do they all complement each other and are any too similar? Okay, so if I were to put them in two categories, it's sort of the the new age tight end and then sort of the traditional tight end. If you look at the new age tight end, you have Barong and you have Raritan. If you look at the traditional tight end, it's Evans and Stace. I think, however, you could kind of take, take Stace and Bowman, and they're kind of in a little bit of a different category that they sort of have traditional games, but they also have some athleticism. I think Barong is probably the most unique of all of them because I think he's really fast. I think Barong's probably the fastest of all those tight ends. But I, I'd say – if I had to go two categories, it's Barong, Bauman, and Stace are in, are, are in a, a Raritaner in one category, and then Evans and Stace are in the other. So Barong, uh, I'm going to look at your list again. Barong and Bauman and Raritan in one, and then Stace and um, Evans in the other. Is how it is. So, and so again, to the point, to your question, John, I think they complement each other very, very well. All right. Thank you for that, Scott. I appreciate it. Okay, here we go. Yes, Irvin, we're going to keep it rolling, buddy. All right, keep it rolling. And and as you have said and others have said, please like and subscribe this podcast before you go. I appreciate that very, 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 very much. Okay, uh, here we go. I'm not going to pretend to know how to say that. 
but I appreciate you your question. With former quarterbacks at wide receiver and tight end, why not a gadget play on rare occasions? I agree with you. And I've been asked this a couple times lately. I'd love to see it. Mitchell Evans played quarterback, to your point. Mitchell Evans played quarterback in high school. Avery Davis played quarterback in high school. Um, you know, so I, I would love to see it. And I think some of that stuff can be fun, too, for the players. And I know that if you're putting it in in a week where you have to go beat some team, you know, that's, hey, we're playing Alabama and we're going to pull out all these gadget plays. I think there's some merit to the the notion of, oh, you you don't think you can win. But, you know, that's why you do that stuff against like early against Purdue or, you know, Florida State or something. Just have some fun with it. You know, I, I think kids really like that stuff. Okay. S says, to the point you made with the Mayor Pitts debate, I think if Long was still here, he would have used Tremble and Mayor together more with either split the other attach and hurry up to create mismatch. I agree. And I think we saw that a little bit in 2019. We saw that uh, Tommy Trumbull's usage rate in routes was about 10% higher uh, than it was when, uh, when uh, he, the year later. And I still remember the play out against New Mexico where he's basically lined up as a fullback and he ran like a corner, co- corner route uh, against New Mexico and called it like a corner route. I believe it was a corner route from a fullback alignment. I was waiting to see that all, all season long, but they just never did it. Okay. There's, I mean, what's going on in the chat right now is hilarious because you see all the people from the different eras and they're all bringing up the great tight ends, Mark Bavaro. Uh, I saw one up here. This is a great one. Uh, Robin Weber. Michael Katrositz talks about Robin Weber. I, you know, every time I see his name, I think a loose emoji because that was. I don't know if I've said this before. That was Lou's favorite Notre Dame game ever. That was the one game that if I wanted to distract Lou, just to kind of, because Lou was just, I mean, Lou was a worker, man. He was sitting there. He was put, he was editing something or writing something or researching something. Uh, Lou was a worker. And if I wanted to distract him back when we were in the same office and worked together, I'd bring up that sugar bowl where Robin Weber caught that. And, and I remember him pulling, say, hey, come over here and show this. And he pulls up his computer and he found that game on on YouTube and he showed me that play. That was his favorite Notre Dame game. And so, of course, every time I see Robin Weber's name, especially now, I think of I think of Lou. Uh, Michael talks about Mark Bavaro. I mean, there's there's just so many tight ends, and not even just from what we've seen in the Brian Kelly era, but just just overall, there's been so so many good ones. So, D- Dylan, you did the super chat. Just let me know did I did I did I answer your question? I mean, is that kind of what you were looking for about the from an impact standpoint? Okay, Bill Walsh says Notre Dame has already offered 11 2023 players that are the number one at their positions. They're so far ahead of the game from where they've been in the past, Bill. It's just another example of they're not they're, they're this is a different Notre Dame than what we've seen in the past. And it's a lot of different reasons. Marcus Freeman's a reason for it. Mike Elson being back in charge of recruiting is a reason for it. And I think Brian Kelly is is showing me that that he He's not just comfortable being ten and two or eleven and two or twelve and one and losing. He wants to. He wants to get that. He wants to get that uh, elusive national title. Okay, Stoke Behavior says we need to get a billboard in Louisiana and Cali. I don't know if there's one in Louisiana, but there is one in L.A. They did put one out in L.A., so there is one in Cali. I don't know if there's one in Northern California, but there definitely is one in, in L.A. Um, and says even Texas. There's one in Dallas. Look, I'm. T- these things are all over the place. There's one in Dallas. There's one in Phoenix. There's uh, Houston Griffith tweeted about the one in Chicago today. I'm t- they're all over. There's they're in Charlotte, North Carolina. They're in Atlanta, Georgia. They're in Tampa. Um, I, it wouldn't shock me if there was one in New Orleans. I just don't know of of one, and I wasn't told that there was one. So that uh, 
Oh, yeah. So search your green. Fasano in the past, right, will always be my favorite. That was at Washington, right, I, I believe? Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, Lou, Lou loved that game. Okay, let's see some more questions. Here we go. We're, we're running low, so we'll – yes. And, yes, Matt D., I told you, you went and finally found it. There, there is a There is a billboard. There is a billboard in Columbus that I believe, Matt, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here because you live in that area. I believe it's like right by Ohio State's campus, correct? A Notre Dame billboard, Notre Dame football billboard. I love it. David Allen asks, do you think Michael Mayer brings home the Mackie this year? You know, we were asked that in the podcast yesterday, and and I, I really don't know. Um, I have a couple reasons why I say that. I, I wonder if Michael Mayer's pr- uh, production might be a little bit stunted early on simply because he's going to be the focus of, a, of opposing defenses. And until other players can prove to, to be damaging, whether it's Kyron Williams in the past game, Braden Lindsay, Lawrence Keyes, Kevin Austin, whoever, the teams are going to be really geared towards him. If Notre Dame wins 10 or more games, and if Michael Mayer catches more than 50 balls and, and is at least seven touchdowns, then I think he'll have a chance to be there. But, uh, you know, we'll see. The ball may just get spread around too much this year. But I, I do. I will say this. The one positive for Michael Mayer from Jack Cohn being the quarterback, and I, and I, I think Jack Cohn's going to be the quarterback, is that Wisconsin offense loves throwing over the middle of the field and they love throwing the tight ends. And that's going to be right in Michael Mayer's wheelhouse. And I and I have a feeling that uh, w- when you look at uh, when you look at um, how they're going to use Michael Mayer, that's one of my questions: is is Tommy Reese going to use him more ways than he did last year? I don't have a problem with how they used him last year. He was a freshman; you didn't want to put too much on him. But now that he's a sophomore and, and he's clearly their best player, how do they use him more? That's something that, that I want to see. So it looks like that is it for our questions for today's show. So we're I can't believe we're going to be under an hour for today's show. So I appreciate everybody joining me tonight on a Saturday night to talk about the Holden State's commitment to wrap it up. Holden State is the 13th commitment in the 2022 class. He is the third, seventh offensive player and the second tight end. So Notre Dame now, you said he is um, second tight end. They're now done recruiting tight end. Sorry, I was reading a question. Yes. Okay. So to follow up on your question, um, but in some earlier shows of yours, you said when going to camps and talking to recruits, Notre Dame wasn't always brought up. Have you have you personally noticed a difference in the conversations? Yes, I have. Now, for me personally, no, I don't call recruits. I hire people to call recruits, and then they they give me this information. So what you're referring to is there were some issues at receiver from back in you know February and March at these seven on sevens where these kids were like, yeah, we're not here from the receivers coach. What I'm telling you is, as we and that was very early on, and as they were switching the staff around, what I'm telling you is, yes, in the last couple months, we're hearing that more and more and more. And I've I've talked about it recently, you know, like we talked about 23 2023 defensive players. I've we've we've talked to kids, and I you know my guys call me, they give me notes afterwards. This kid said this 23 kid, sophomore in high school, said he's already talked to Freeman, he's already talked to Mickens, he's already talked to Elston, and he's already talked to Brian Kelly. I mean, that never happened in the past for a sophomore. So we are seeing that now. We're even seeing it at receiver. You know, uh, Tobias Merriweather's t- telling us now more that he's seeing it more. Uh, C.J. Williams, they've got back in the game with C.J. Williams. So I do believe that they're they've, they're turning the corner. Now, is that going to be too late with some commit kids in the 22 class? Certainly. they got to keep it going. But, yes, last couple months we have seen Notre Dame take their recruiting game to a whole nother level, and it has definitely been impactful. It's going to be more impactful in 23. 
because with some of these 22 kids, it's just too late. There's nothing you're going to be able to do to convince Caleb Brown to come to Notre Dame. I don't know about, you know, Xavier Bradshaw, but I, I think even with 22, you're seeing it uh, uh, positively affect Tobias Merriweather. You're seeing it positively affect T.J. Williams. You saw it positively affect with Holden Stace. You're seeing it positively affect with Dallin Hayden. You're seeing it positively affect guys you know, along the offensive line, Jake Taylor, guys like that. So I would encourage you to read uh, that article that I put up today at irishbreakdown.com, Dylan, where I talk about, uh, you know, where they stand with all these recruits because they're trending up with a lot of kids and these type of things are part of it, but more so it's about just a more concerted full staff effort. And that includes from the head coach. So look, when he's not recruiting, well, I criticized him for it. He's doing a much better job now and I'm going to praise him for it because that's what you need to do. Because I think the Brian Kelly can have a big impact on the recruiting trail if they use him correctly. So that is going to do it for today's show. Appreciate everybody being with me today. We'll be back. To, we'll not be doing anything tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday. We'll have a live show. A reminder that this is going to be a regular thing now with these live shows. We're going to have our our daily podcasts at 1 o'clock. Uh, those will be Vince and I doing our podcast, just kind of talking. If you guys want to get some questions in, you can do super chats or wait to the end. Uh, we'll have those every day at 1 o'clock this week. We'll also on Wednesday have the 8 o'clock recruiting chat. We're going to talk about 2023 quarterbacks. Uh, if you ever have any questions, hit me up on Twitter at CoachD178. Shoot me an email at brian at irishbreakdown.com. Make sure that you hit the like button on this podcast. Engage with us on YouTube. That also helps with the al algorithm and helps us get in front of more people. We've seen our numbers really grow lately. Share the show, right? Let your uh, your Notre Dame friends that you know, uh, that you know, let them know about our show. Check out irishbreakdown.com. There's also something in the links below. I have links to Irish Breakdown, our Facebook page, but I also have a link to our, our, our newsletter. So we have a daily newsletter. And if you're someone who's asked, how can you support the show? Sign up for the free daily newsletter. I'll send it to you every day. And it's got our five previous stories from the day before. Click open and read those. Take 10 minutes to read our stories every day. And if, if everybody that supported our channel, if everybody that supported our work on YouTube, uh, on Irish Breakdown, all those type of things would just read all of our stories every day, then you're, you, that would just that would help our site skyrocket. We'd be able to do a lot more fun things. Uh, I'm someone that when we make more money, I invested into the company. That means hiring more people and doing all types of fun things. Uh, I've got all the gear ordered for the, uh, the, the, the merchandise store. It's now all finally figured out. We've got the design finalized. I should be getting that in the next week or two. Uh, once that's done, if I like the gear, then we're going to be ready to rock and roll. Uh, so that's it. So everybody have a great, awesome weekend. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And we'll be back with you again on Monday.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.